0: The air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressmen because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the Depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first you've got to get mad you've got to say i'm a human being god damn it my life has
1: value if jim smith is with us still in chopper two jimmy are you there
2: What, michael we uh just saw that as well the second tower the only one that was standing tower number one just uh we saw some kind of explosion a lot of smoke come out at the top of the tower and then uh it collapsed down onto the streets below much like we saw the first tower just about a half hour ago.
3: Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories concerning the attacks of September the 11th. Malicious lies that attempt to shift the blame away from the terrorists themselves, away from the guilty. Conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories.
4: Man, you hear this bullshit they be talking. The hijackers were instruments day, of evil. Every day, man, it's like these motherfuckers is just like professional liars. You know what I'm saying? It's
5: wow. The first question I have is basically to get from you a sense of, of of how you would rate the the American media in their coverage of the events of of the attack last September. I mean, what, what's your assessment of of how the the American media has performed?
6: Well, let's see. Uh, shamefully is a word that comes to mind. But overall, the uh, American journalism, I think, was cowed, has been cowed and intimidated by the, uh, this uh, massive flag-sucking, this uh, patriotic orgy that the White House keeps whipping up. You know, if you criticize the, the president, it's unpatriotic and there's something wrong with you, you may be a terrorist.
5: So so in that sense, Hunter, Hunter S. Thompson, there's, there's not enough room for dissenting voices?
6: Well, there's plenty of room. Uh, just not enough. People are willing to take the risk. It, it's just sort of a, uh, a a herd mentality, a lemming-like mentality. If you don't go with the flow, you're anti-American and therefore a suspect. And we've seen this before in these patriotic frenzies. Yeah, wartime. You know, they declare. It's very convenient having a an undeclared war that you can call a war and uh, uh, impose military tribunals and wartime security. And then we got these generals telling us that this war is going, on, going to go on for a long, long time. Maybe it's not, it's not so much the generals now. The generals are a little afraid to invade Iraq, a little worried about it. But it's the civilians in the White House, this gang of, of thieving, just lobbyists for the, for the military-industrial complex who are running the White House. And to be to be against them is to be patriotic. Then, hell, call me a traitor.
5: Do you think that most of the American media, or, or say most of the influential American media, has bought that patriotism line, and and as a result are self-censoring themselves?
6: There we go, self-censorship. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I would say that. Now, uh, there are always exceptions to that, but there have been damn few. Uh, Marine Dowd, the New York Times, uh, and you know what? that's that corporate mentality of uh, well what will the advertisers think you know uh in the times uh, against the president therefore we won't advertise in it a corporate kind of uh, we're all in this together thinking
5: so is it the white house laying down what they think is appropriate journalism or is it the the news media outlets deciding that they have to be patriotic that they're under some sort of undeclared duty at the moment to somehow reflect the patriotism of the American public?
6: Well, it it goes a little deeper than that, because uh, this administration is well on the road to seizing power. Uh, uh, Tom Daschle, the Senate Democratic leader, the other day uh, accused Bush of trying to seize dictatorial powers. Now, that was a a big breakthrough. And I'm I'm starting to sense that the tide may be turning uh, a... against the president we have to beat this bastard one way or another and it, i have a sense that there is a uh, a kind of a flag of courage of some sort uh courage to to disagree with the government and that's what this country is all about really
5: well historically yeah. historically that's obviously hugely important for america that that note mm-hmm. of so, today
7: yeah. on guns and butter kevin ryan Kevin Ryan is a former employee of Underwriters Laboratories, which certified the steel components used in the construction of the Twin World Trade Center towers in New York City. As a concerned citizen, Ryan tried to reconcile these communications with the reports of the World Trade Center investigation being performed by the National Institute of Standards and Technology, or NIST. In November 2004, after attempts to obtain answers from Underwriters Laboratories top management, he allowed his questions to be made public, resulting in the loss of his job. At the time of his termination, he was site manager, the top manager in charge of all local functions. And Kevin, could you tell me what Underwriter Laboratories does? What kind of work do they do?
1: They do safety testing, of products and materials that are used within products, so uh, telephones and, uh, and water and uh, computer monitors and steel components or buildings and so forth are all tested by UL for safety purposes to make sure that they are safe for public use.
7: So then you would contract with government agencies for the safety of water supplies, for instance?
1: Yes, yes. I can't tell you who those were. That's a confidentiality. But definitely government agencies were involved. And uh, my involvement in the, the talk about uh, Underwriters Laboratories testing steel components also had to do with NIST, which was the, a government agency as well, and their testing of floor, model, uh, floor models from the World Trade Center.
7: So, Kevin, could you, what, what is your education? What's your specialty?
1: Um, I have a degree in chemistry from Indiana University, and uh, I'm also a certified quality engineer through American Society of Quality uh, for Quality.
7: Now, were you initially uh, surprised when the Twin Towers collapsed or not? Did you think anything was odd about that?
1: Honestly, I didn't think too much about it. Um, um, You know, in, in September of 2001, though, just a few weeks after the attacks, the uh, chief executive officer of UL came to our location in South Bend, and he told us that UL had tested the steel components used to build the World Trade Center. That would have been testing done 40 years ago before any of us actually began working there. And he told us that we should be proud that the buildings had stood so long. But most of us didn't really think much of that um, other than, oh, it's, it's a curious fact. And then uh, over the years, uh, personally, I began to worry about Um, the story of 9-11 mainly because it was clear that our government was lying to us about a number of things the very important things and in in some people's minds things that were more important than really the deaths of 3,000 people because um, really hundreds of thousands of people were being put at risk in wars uh, as a result. So uh, I have read uh, somewhere that there was a Question as to whether the buildings had actually been demolished. And that um, the problem with examining that hypothesis was that the steel evidence had all been destroyed. The steel evidence had all been destroyed. Listen.
4: No allegiance, nigga, fuck the president's speeches I'm baptized by America and covered in leeches The dirty water that bleaches your soul and your facial features Drowning you with propaganda that they spit through the speakers And if you speak about the evil that the government does The Patriot Act attract you to the type in your blood They try to frame you and say you was trying to sell drugs And throw a federal indictment on niggas to show you love Cause shit is run by fake Christians, fake politicians Look at their mansions and look at the conditions you live in All they talk about is terrorism on television Television. they tell you to listen but they don't really tell you they mission they funded al and now they blame the Muslim religion even bin Laden was a CIA tactician, they gave him billions of dollars and they funded his purpose, not that's just scratching the surface. Uh,
8: very few people are going to have the time or the energy or the commitment to carry out the constant battle that's required to get outside of uh, you know McNeil or you know, Dan Rather or somebody like that. The easy thing to do, you know, you come home from work, you're tired, you've had a busy day. You're know, not going to spend the evening carrying out a research project, so you turn on the tube. And say it's probably right, you know, or you look at the headlines in the paper, and then you watch the sports or something. Because, uh, because, and, and that's that's basically the way the system of indoctrination works. Sure, the other stuff is there; but you're going to have to work to find it. Modern industrial civilization has developed within a certain system of convenient myths. The driving force of modern industrial civilization has been individual material gain, which is accepted as legitimate, uh, even praiseworthy, on the grounds that uh, private vices yield public benefits in the classic formulation. Now, it's long been understood very well that a society that is based on this principle will destroy itself in time. It can only persist with whatever suffering and injustice it entails as long as it's possible to pretend uh, that the destructive forces that humans create are limited, uh, that the world is an infinite resource and that the world is an infinite garbage can. At this stage of history, either one of two things is possible, either the general population will take control of its own destiny and will concern itself with community interests guided by values of solidarity and sympathy and concern for others, or alternatively, there will be no destiny for anyone to control. As long as some specialized class is in a position of authority, it is going to set policy in the special interests that it serves, but the conditions of survival let alone justice, require rational social planning in the interests of the community as a whole, and by now that means the global community. The question is whether privileged elites should dominate mass communication and should use this power as they tell us they must, namely to impose necessary illusions, to manipulate and deceive the stupid majority and remove them from the public arena. The question in brief is whether democracy and freedom are values to be preserved or threats to be avoided. In this possibly terminal phase of human existence, democracy and freedom are more than values to be treasured. They may well be essential to survival.
5: Thank you. So so you would see, Hunter S. Thompson, that in in recent years there's been a failure to challenge authority. So the media is actually buying the, the government line far too readily.
6: And no, there's not. There uh, haven't been much challenging of authority for quite a while. And this president here, this little bastard, just a creature of his father, and the Reagan uh, brain trust. And a lot of those people came out of Nixon. This is really like the rebirth of uh, Richard Nixon. Or Nixon lives. But these people make Nixon look like a liberal.
5: That you uh, you would argue you would argue that that the George Bush, Jr makes Richard Nixon seem like a liberal, which is a startling admission from you because of the caustic way that you've previously described Richard Nixon.
6: Yeah, that that shocked me when I said it. But yeah, I'll stick with that. In terms of just a programmatic, uh, mean, greedy, tunnel-visioned looter, these people make Nixon look like a, a statesman.
5: Now, Nixon, of course, was brought undone by the actions of two members of the press, Bernstein and Woodward who doggedly pursued him even though initially it wasn't apparent that that camp that trail would would bear fruit is there a new generation of that type of investigative journalism in the United States and is is this the moment that it should come forward?
6: Oh boy I've been looking for that the rise of that generation for a long time.
1: Right away I saw a problem with the report there were uh, articles coming out on like Newsday from New York that said well, these floor models didn't fail in the furnaces. You know, they all passed the test for two hours. Two hours, of course, is longer than either of the buildings I withstood. So that was some. That was a red flag for me, right? And then I was even more interested in, in reading this report. NIST made an update in October of 2004 on the report, in the Problem with floors not collapsing was a big one because that's really where all the experts are hanging their head on This pancake theory that the floors had collapsed On top of each other into a stack of pancakes and then the columns were no longer supported and so they They just kind of broke off um, But that was pretty much history. I mean that, that theory itself had to collapse when the floors wouldn't now, collapse Kevin, to right. clarify,
7: All of the tests that you're describing were being run by NIST, the National Institute on standard and technology.
1: Yes, actually they were all done for NIST. NIST was coordinating the floor model tests, but they were done, being done here in Chicago and in Toronto by underwriters laboratories under contract to NIST.
7: Oh, so it was underwriters that was actually conducting these tests on behalf of NIST for the, for the NIST report. That's right, that's right.
1: So again, um, our company was involved here in in something that appeared to be a very questionable, um, ultimately a very questionable report. In October in 2004, they were still talking about floors potentially collapsing. They were still talking about temperatures being so high that uh, steel would soften or melt. And the problem with that part was these tests that have been done on the steel samples, the few steel samples that have been saved, these tests have been done One of them was a paint deformation test that Frank Gales Group had done. And it showed how paint would curl or change in a a certain temperature range. And so they took these samples and they analyzed them to see what temperatures they might have been exposed to to, by looking at the paint. And uh, less than 2% of these samples, which had been pulled specifically from the fire zones, and, and they even said despite pre-collapse exposure to fire. Less than 2% of them had seen temperatures of 480 degrees Fahrenheit, which is very low relative to the temperatures needed to soften or melt steel. They also did another test of steel microstructure, which didn't, didn't, didn't give us as much information. But it did show that none of the samples actually had reached temperatures um, that would uh, show that the steel might have lost half of its strength. And a lot of people had said, "Well, at certain temperatures, the steel lose, loses half of its strength, and that's what why the buildings collapsed because they lost half of their strength." That, that argument ultimately doesn't hold water either. But none of the samples reached that temperature, so it doesn't. We don't have any evidence that they did reach that temperature, so we have no evidence for that theory. So um, you know, this report came out. This final. It was a final draft. They were going to release their final report in December or January. Um, but I felt that really these were too many contradictions, and my company was involved with it, and I had information that people really should be aware of. So I made a le- I wrote a letter, it was an email letter to Frank Gale of NIST because his tests on, on temperatures of the steel were very important. And I sent him this letter. And uh, I copied some people that had that I knew were interested in 9/11 research, Catherine Austin Fitz and David Ray Griffin. So the 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 letter essentially asked Frank, you know, this, the test results you came up with show that steel can't soften or melt at those temperatures, you know, and and so, you know, many people have already said that jet fuel fires don't really burn hot enough to To do the kind of damage we're talking about, and in addition, the floor models didn't fail, so we don't have pancake theory either. So, what you know, what what do you make of this, and and how can the report summary kind of contradict this?
7: Now, your letter to Frank Gale. Frank Gale was with the government writing the NIST report.
1: Yes, he was a member of the NIST team. He was the leader of project four out of eight projects, which was a study of the metallurgy, was the analysis of the steel. And so I sent him the letter because it was his test results that appeared to contradict the report itself, the summary of the report.
7: Now, Underwriters Laboratories were running their own tests, and Frank Gale was running his tests? Were there two separate tests?
1: Yes, there were a number of tests that were going on as a part of the NIST investigation. The laboratory tests uh, in general that were going on were uh, the UL floor model tests that were done under contract by underwriters laboratories for NIST, tests that NIST scientists were doing themselves, like the paint tests, things called workstation burn tests, which evaluated gas temperatures in typical office environments similar to the World Trade Center.
4: Goddamn blow up the projects. Give it to your niggas. Tell the truth, niggas. Bush knocked down the tower. Tell the truth, niggas. Bush knocked down the tower. Rebels in Iraq still fight for Saddam, but that's bullshit. I'll show you why it's totally wrong, because if another country invaded the hood tonight, it'd be warfare through Harlem and Washington Heights. I wouldn't be fighting for Bush or white America's dream. I'd be fighting for my people's survival and self-esteem. I wouldn't fight for racist churches from the South, my nigga. I'd be fighting to keep the occupation out, my nigga. You ever clock someone who talks shit But look at you wrong? Imagine if they shot at you I was raping your moms. And of course, Saddam Hussein had chemicals. We sold them that shit after Ronald Reagan's election. Mercenary contractors fighting a new ever. Corporate military banking off the war on terror. They controlling the ghetto with the fear of attack. Trying to distract the fact that they engineering the crack. So I'm scrapped like Lee Malvo holding a sniper rifle. These bullets will touch your kids. And I don't mean like Michael. Your body be sent to the morgue, stripped down and recycled. I fire on house niggas that support you and like you. Because innocent Some people get murdered in the struggle daily. And poor people never get shit struggle daily. no alien conspiracy shit real. Written on dollar underneath the Masonic
7: Now would the tests that were run by underwriters laboratories, did those test results contradict the test results that the NIST people themselves were running, or were the tests uh, results similar?
1: The surprising fact, well, they didn't contradict any other tests that NIST was doing. They contradicted the report summary that NIST was writing. And NIST still, in 2004 and 2005, early 2005, was talking about pancaking of floors and the floor model tests at UL showed that the floors would not fail, they would not collapse. In fact, they showed absolutely minimal sagging of floors. So. Those test results contradicted the story that NIST was coming out with.
7: So then the point is that the report written by NIST contradicted not only the tests that uh, your laboratory was running, but their report contradicted their own tests.
1: Yes, that's right. I see. Yes, the the summary report contradicted the UL floor model test, and the Popular Science uh, magazine article came out that NIST scientists jumped on board and supported. They were still talking about pancaking.
9: On the line with us uh, is uh, Davin Coburn in New York City. He is, with, uh, he is with Popular Mechanics magazine. Popular Mechanics has expanded on a series of articles they've had about the 9-11 and what they call the 9-11 myths. They have expanded it into a book. The book is called Debunking 9-11 Myths, Why Conspiracy Theories Can't Stand Up to the Facts. The foreword to uh, 9-11 myths, by the way, is by our senior snowy-haired senator from Arizona, Senator John McCain. And, uh, uh, Davin, thanks very much for being on our show this morning.
10: Hey, thank you for having me.
9: Yeah. Uh, first of all, what, what is your job at Popular Mechanics, and why are you speaking with me?
10: Sure. I'm the research editor here at the magazine. I was an original uh, reporter on the magazine piece in the March 2005 issue, uh, and then my role for this book was largely to fact-check the material in it. Um, all right. To make sure
9: that everything there was accurate all right let me go to the phones uh mike in phoenix is first this morning on the show mike good morning very do you, do you have a question though for for yeah, Gavin for popular I, mechanics I, I i do but uh uh you know building seven i think is the is the real achilles heel of all this uh larry silverstein the man who uh presciently took out uh a, uh, an enormous insurance policy a couple months before 911 on the building that he had just on the complex that he had just leased for 99 years said that uh, uh on pbs that that uh there had been so much death and destruction that day a decision was made uh and, and they decided meaning the, the new york fire department they decided to pull the building building seven how did they uh how did they pull building seven
10: uh actually that's a great question uh, and the answer is that they didn't uh that quote has been kicked around uh by conspiracy theorists over and over uh and having spoken to Silverstein, having spoken to any number of large uh controlled demolition firms, including those that are accused of carrying out uh you know this crime that people think uh these buildings were detonated as opposed to collapsing the way that they did uh what it, the term poet is not a demolition term. Yeah, you know people Since have it. I'm okay. sorry. Since when is is it not a demolition term? That's the only term, the, the only context I've heard it used in. I've actually we, we have never heard it used that way, and neither actually have you know <laughs> the people who do this professionally that we spoke to. Good afternoon, Lanza
11: Company.
12: Um, sorry. Do I is this controlled demolitions? Yes, it is. Okay, I was wondering if there was someone I could talk to uh, briefly just to ask a question I had.
11: What kind of question?
12: Well, I just wanted to know what uh, a term meant in uh, demolition terms.
11: Okay, what type of term?
12: Well, if you were uh, in the demolition business and you said the the term pull it, I was wondering what exactly that would
9: mean. Pull it? Yeah. Hmm.
11: Hold on
7: a minute. Thank you. Yes? Pull it is when they actually pull
12: it down. Oh. Well, thank you very much for your time.
10: Okay. Bye. Bye. Uh, what about the seven hijackers, seven to nine hijackers that were reported in the British press who came forward and said, we're alive. What are we doing on the FBI's list of so-called hijackers? We're alive and well. well How did I explain have... that one? Uh actually my explanation for that is that I have read that one BBC report that claims it's to more have than a, one BBC report but actually it's not uh that that's the one thing that we've found and that was absolutely one of those things that we looked into I promise you I mean that's that that would be are you saying that that's false I I am saying that is false okay how did you verify that? that there was DNA evidence collected all over the place the building was incinerated the the, the concrete was turned into powder this, there were molten pools of steel in the bottom of the building that were still hot weeks after, and they were able to do autopsies on bodies. Have you are ever you given seen a, I mean, photos? Are you insane? Have you seen photos of these of these hijackers that you're talking about? Is where, the report? where are the autopsy this, reports you're this, referring to? On the hijackers. Where are those reports? I haven't heard anything about autopsy, Particularly out of the Pentagon, actually. They're, well, they're, I want to know Pen- where, uh,
9: if they, if they, even if we presume that you're correct, that they recovered the DNA of the 19 hijackers from the rubble, where did they get their original DNA against which to match it? My point. <laughs> uh, no, don't go to your point. Go to my point. Where did they get the original DNA of a bunch of Middle Eastern uh, Islamic madmen? Where would they get the DNA? Had they submitted the DNA before they... uh, I mean, where the hell did they get it? You're not not even talking sensibly with
10: me. Off the top of my head, I don't know the answer to that. Of course you don't. I'll get back to you with
9: it. Is that a promise?
10: I will do my best.
9: People all across the state of Arizona now are hearing Davin Coburn say on the show that he's going to find out how they got that DNA checked against those Islamic terrorists who had shaved their bodies naked to hijack those planes that day. Good. I'd like like to hear it. Now now do you understand why people... uh, scratch their head when these kinds of representations are made?
10: No, actually, I don't. And May I ask the caller a question? No. Okay. All right.
9: <laughs> I, you, you don't understand why when you tell us that they found the hijackers' DNA remains amongst uh, the molten steel and and I ask you where did they get the original DNA from the hijackers to match it against? You Do you think that's bizarre to ask a question like that? Do you think it's conspiratorial just to want to know?
10: I think the way that you're framing it uh, is not...
9: How will operating. you frame, frame it differently, but get, but get to the same issue for me? How would you frame it?
10: Uh, I think I would take a different take on the entire question.
9: Well, I'm, okay, uh, there's, in that, there's in DNA evidence. You told me they have DNA evidence that matches the hijackers.
10: I, I, I want think to think wor- that the entire question, however, is baseless. I think that it is not even a question that is worth answering. Well, you're the, the one that told the me they have the DNA exist. evidence. You're the one who wouldn't let me approach the question from the way that I would answer well, it. Go ahead, and go ahead and approach it. Uh, and that is that if that report, if these men are still alive, right. why have we not seen any news reports? Why have we not seen any Okay, but you're the one... Okay, can in? I answer
9: that for you? Sure. Okay, I don't know the answer. That's my answer. Now, okay. now, now, let me ask you a question in the same spirit. You told me that they've checked their DNA. Where did they get the original DNA to check it again?
10: <laughs> you're the one with the answers. I'm not. I just have questions. Uh, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm telling you that actually you can, a seven-year-old can ask why over no, and over and over and there's no, this way is the
9: worst attack on America in the history of this country we've, yeah, we've invaded is. two countries maybe a third because of it we're going to spend trillions of dollars it's not a seven-year-old asking why I want to know where they got the evidence that they matched it against. what's so hard about that?
10: the way that you're framing it is intentionally of course difficult. it is because yeah. it's five
9: years later and we haven't heard the answer And you haven't given it to us in Popular Mechanics. I swear to God, that's it. You see? It's the way I'm framing it makes it an illegitimate question. Well, tell me how to reframe it. Tell me how to ask it differently.
10: I would start entirely over with the question that that gentleman asked. And Uh, I would say... I want
9: the question I asked. All right, that's it. Uh... First
11: Magazine, good
12: morning. Hi, I'm trying to get a hold of Davin Colburn, please.
11: Davin?
12: Colburn? One moment,
13: thank you. Thank you. Popular Mechanics.
12: Hi, Davin. Yep. Hi, my name's Jeff. Uh, the reason I was calling was because I wanted to ask you the other day, uh, I heard you say something about the evidence for DNA with the uh the 19 hijackers. I was wondering if you could source that information yet?
10: Uh, If you have any questions uh, about the 9-11 book, I can give you a number to call, or you can contact our media representative.
12: uh, You aren't able to source that information yet? And also the fact that I called three demolition companies, and they are aware of the term pull it. You said that that was not used in any demolition uh, company term.
10: Thanks very much for the call. Do you have the contact info for our media representative?
12: What is that, please?
10: Uh, can I put you on hold for just a second?
12: So, so you can't answer either of those questions then?
10: I'll put you on hold. I'll be right back.
12: Thank Thanks you very much. much.
10: Hey, sorry about that. Right, uh that nine eleven number is two one two six four nine two nine three five.
12: So you have you still have no information about where you got the DNA evidence from or?
10: I've been instructed to direct every phone call about that nine eleven book to that number.
12: Okay, and did you, you you had tried calling control demolitions or anybody to get the term pull it defined?
14: Thanks very much for your call. Have a good day. Oh
12: well, you too, Davin.
9: Of uh, sixty seconds or less. Thank you for your interest in Popular
5: Mechanics. It occurs to me that you probably wouldn't hear those sort of comments on many other outlets. In in America, voice to your conspiracy theories about the role of the U.S. government.
6: Well, I uh, I definitely will be when this book comes out in uh, December. Now, unfortunately, we're going to have that election up here in November and that's going to be an extremely key election The time to, uh, if you care about this country, to really vote and I don't think I have, I've been working on this book for so long I feel like I've been in a decompression chamber of some kind.
5: So obviously these these very critical views will appear in your book I suppose what I'm interested in asking is where else would people hear views like yours? I know they're coming out later in the year in your book but across the across the US media, radio and television and print where would people be now hearing these very critical comments such as the ones you've been making?
1: Uh, Well, where
6: else, eh? Where indeed? Uh, I I I know a lot of journalists across the country who uh, would agree with me, but now whether they're writing this stuff and saying it in public, I don't know. You could ask Maureen Dowd and see what she feels, uh, whether I'm right or wrong. But I I can't really tell you anybody else. It doesn't come to mind. I usually, boy, it really is lonely out here.
5: Hunter S. Thompson, just as a final question, and, and look, it's a big question, but let me ask it anyway. I mean, how how do you see, from, from your position as a critic on the left of American journalism, how do you see the future of journalism in your country?
6: Well, I have a very dim view of it, I guess. Yeah, the future of journalism, uh, which I, I really thought was unbounded after Watergate. But right now, there's not a hell lot of reason to... Uh, be optimistic about it because of the, uh, not just this one huge uh, scam they pulled off here, but because of the everyday reality of uh, journalism is celebrity-driven. The yeah. news over here barely covers I, I watched the, uh, some BBC stuff and then some CNN uh, foreign news, the one that, world news it doesn't get into the country. I read the uh, Paris Herald Tribune. That kind of news doesn't get through in this country now you have to read the new york times very carefully and to maybe see what they're talking about but i don't think my views would be seen as uh crazy or crazy or absurd or out of the question uh, in most countries of the world
5: do do you ever worry given the current climate in the united states and and the surge of patriotism that's going on that you could be personally at risk from someone who took offense at your critique that that your own personal security might be threatened?
6: Yeah, yeah, think about it. Definitely yeah, it could be true. Have, I don't there, know, I be
5: have there been I occurrences be... when you've been threatened?
6: Oh yeah, I'm constantly uh, I have been all my, my life, but not yeah. back to journalism you just that goes with the territory. You know? you know, there's gonna be threats and there's gonna be people are very unhappy. And knock knock uh, you know, I don't think it's a matter of luck. It's a matter of, uh, I'm pretty well stuck to my uh, battle plan. And, yeah, they tried to come after me. The federal government, all kinds of governments. I've had constant wars in courts. I have to keep, like, four of the finest criminal lawyers in the country on retainer. Yeah, you have to fight for these uh, rights in this country. They didn't come in on any, uh, you know, uh, the stork didn't bring uh, the Bill of Rights. A lot of people
5: fought for it. So, so that's how you'd see yourself, as, as fighting for freedom of speech in America? Absolutely. Join us in the next hour to talk
3: about all of the uh, fake terror attacks our government's been caught carrying out in Iraq. You know, we shouldn't forget that, that. Our government, we know, and the Israelis and the British, have all been caught red-handed blowing up mosques, shooting police, Bombing crowds of people, assassinating leaders they don't like, or people they do like, or they want to blame them on their enemies. You understand? They've caught British SAS. They've caught Israelis. The Marines have caught Israelis dressed up as Arabs going around shooting Marines. And it's in the foreign mainstream papers. There are incidents, and people are told to release them and shut up. The establishment likes to claim, well, what? it's all, Alex, you're saying it's all the government. Yes, either it's totally provocateur, it's set up or it's completely staged. Every once in a while there'll be there'll be a real Muslim woman who lost her son and daughters or and you know, she'll go into a Jewish uh, restaurant and you know, kill eight people barehanded with a butcher knife. men, I mean, that's how angry these women get. And that happens every few months. And yes, that's real, ladies and gentlemen. and there are real Palestinians that get machine guns and shoot at the Israelis. And there are occasionally real suicide bombings. But we've studied it. In most cases, the funding for the suicide bombers actually comes from our government. I'm not, yes, the evidence is there. You go, well, why is that? To keep a military state, to not have peace, to keep the crises expanding. This is a military form of government. They want war. This is war provocation. The military hardware manufacturers want war. They're making over a 100 billion dollars a year in weapons sales and contracts in Iraq alone. The war on terror is costing another 100 billion a year. That's on top of the six plus 100 billion for the mainline defense budget. There's now a whole new budget, uh, over a hundred billion in anti-terror here in the US. And now you can't get a scholarship to be a professor or a scholarship to be a scientist. No, now it's a scholarship for Homeland Security at all the finest finest schools. See, the economy is shifting over. First, the military-industrial complex took over the industry and the media and and the colleges, and now they're going to take over all the other major industries and make the economy a police state economy. If you had a chance to stop World War III, would you? Don't look back in hindsight and wish you wouldn't have gotten the word out.
11: Think about it, our whole world is sitting there on a computer. It's in the computer.
12: Everything, it's all right there. Everyone is stored and there's like this little electronic shadow on each and every one of us just, just begging for somebody to screw with.
13: We cannot let terrorists and rogue nations hold this nation hostile or hold our allies hostile.
15: The war against us all. This war in Iraq isn't the end, it's the beginning of wars to come, all around the world, at the whim of the neocons in the White House. This is the Bush Doctrine, come to life. War, war, and more war. War brought to you by the big corporate masters who run this show. This isn't just a war on Iraqis or Afghanis, or even Arabs or Muslims. It is ultimately a war on us all. That's because the billions and billions of dollars that are being spent on this war, the cost of tanks, rocketry, bullets, and yes, even salaries for the 125,000 plus troops, is money that will never be spent on education, on health care, on the reconstruction of crumbling public housing, or to train and place the millions of workers who have lost manufacturing jobs in the past three years alone the war in iraq is in reality a war against the nation's workers and the poor who are getting less and less while the big defense industries are making a killing literally what's next iran syria north korea venezuela we've already seen the corporate media play megaphone to the white house to build and promote a war based on lies war is utilized by the imperialists first and foremost to crush internal enemies. We're seeing the truth of its insight when we see the sad state of American education, the rush of seniors to buy affordable medications from the Canadians because American drugs are just too expensive, the threatened privatization of Social Security, and the wave of repression that comes with an increasingly militarized police. This is a war on all of us. And the struggle against war is really a struggle for a better life for the millions of folks who are in need here in this country. The fight against the war is really to fight for your own interests, not the false interests of the defense industries or the corporate media or the White House. Down with the wars for empire. From Death Row, this is Mumia Abu, Jamal.
11: Bell Directory Assistant. Assistant Annuaire
7: Bell. For English, say English. For le service en français, dit français. English. For what city? New York. Please say the city name again. New York. Do you want a residential number?
12: No.
11: For what name?
12: Popular Mechanics.
11: Thank you. Please hold. One more. Thank you, New York City for Popular Mechanics?
16: Yes.
17: Magazine, thank you. Uh, did you want a certain department? Or a subscription department, or-
12: Uh, would it- That's
17: a topic it probably won't work in Well,
12: I'm trying- I want to get a hold of someone that I could ask, like, general information questions. Oh, I see. Uh, I got one that says zero of
11: information. If you want to try that, I got a number. It's 212
12: 649 2853, but that do not work. That
11: doesn't work at all? No. Hmm. I'll give you the executive office
12: if
16: you'd like, them. Okay. Here's your number. Thank you. Thanks.
11: The number, area code
7: 212 649 2000 zero, zero, zero. can be immediate. That's work, fourth.
1: I
12: found a Hi, I'm trying to get a hold of Benjamin Shertoff, please. Hello, Mommy. Ben. Hello, Benjamin. Hello. Hi, my name's Jeff. I'm calling from uh, Sault Ste. Marie, Canada. Okay. I just had a few questions uh, about an article that was printed last year entitled 9 11 Debunking the Myth. Wh- who are you calling with? I'm uh, Jeff from Canada. Uh, are, are you calling with a paper or.? No, uh, this is just an independent, uh... Oh, I um, am, in- you, you caught me at maybe the worst time. Well, I was just wondering, aren't you cousins with Michael Shertoff? No, I'm not. You're not his cousin. But that's all, that's all specious rumor. So all that stuff that's been printed that, uh, your mother <laughs> said, uh, you were his cousin and all this stuff in Vanity Fair, that's all... Yeah, trust me, yeah, that's, yeah, it would have been nice if they called me. And yeah. you were the, you were the lead researcher for the deep monkey? I was the I? research editor of the magazine. You were, th- you're the research editor of the magazine.
11: Yeah, right. I mean I worked on
12: the story for sure. Okay, so there is no I'm connection between you and Mr. Michael Shertoff, that's the head of Homeland Security. I'm sorry. You're not. You're in no way related to Michael Shertoff, head of Homeland Security, then. Uh, not as far as I know. No, you're I've never met him. As Nobody in my you. family's ever met him. Yeah. I mean, we could be distant cousins have the same last name, but. Where exactly did the information come from to debunk all that fact? What's that? Like, where did the information come from to be able to debunk all the facts pointed out from 9-11 through loose change? Uh, through through uh, nearly a year of research and hundreds of interviews and, uh, you know, doing our job as journalists. Hey, listen, if you have more questions, you can go through our publicity department. I'm sorry, I hate to... I know. Well, thank you very much for your time, though. But I'm, yeah, I'm literally, like, I'm standing up and trying to rifle through files right now. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time.
6: Take
2: care. You too. How's it going, eh? All I know is this violates every canon of
15: respectable broadcasting.
2: Now you live in a system which rules without responsibility even to God. The system itself could not have intended this in the beginning... But in order to sustain itself, it was compelled to go all the way. You have gone almost all the way yourself. Life is a continuing process, a flow, not a succession of acts and events at all. It has flowed to a new level, carrying you with it without any effort on your part. On this new level, you live. You have been living more comfortably every day with new morals, new principles. You have accepted things you would not have accepted five years ago, a year ago. Things that your father, even in Germany, could not have imagined. Suddenly it all comes down all at once. You see what you are, what you have done, or, more accurately, what you haven't done. For that was all that was required of most of us, that we do nothing, unquote. Well, uh, that sense applies to every member of the listening audience. Are you going to do something, or are you not going to do something? To be or not to be, as uh, Hamlet said in uh, the play by the same name.
17: Stop it.
12: I know my rights. I am a citizen of the United
7: States. You cannot be a citizen when your country no longer exists.
16: Your microchips are ready, now we will sweep your homes for contraband, narcotics, illegal poetry, books or signs of free expression and music. Welcome to the Big Brother Society, planting microchips inside your wrist is what they want with no variety, microcosms like of a branded metropolis, applied digital technology to overtake the populace, cameras on every corner. Door, with borders unnecessary, we're tracked to the core, satellites surveilling your home and tapping your phone and reading your mail, trying to feel you out like exit signs and frail, but they rely on your stupidity, to never question validity, or the law specifically, give them an inch, so will take a mile, and meanwhile it's too late, cause now they got the right to legally confiscate, and lock you up as a terrorist, for voicing your dissent against the empire, and what it represents, and all in the name of safety the rich, dumb, and blind. America, the time to act, is nearly left behind. We will belong to the futuristic business. Leave your sanity at the door. There's no way up. Life as you know it is over. You cannot be a citizen when your country no longer exists. Brought on by a dictatorship and the help of Henry Kissinger, Lord total awareness and the end of all your literature and covert despair to convert and impair control your brain waves in these days like no one cares with wars that never end they seek the severment from cultures like hungry vultures stage toppling of sculptures like saddam hussein's square of iraq they create the false situations and then they beam it back via the media the fifth estate like questionable tapes from osama bin laden that have now been proved hey, fake we all truly know they originate to propagate your fear so keep it open here because your obligation is near to wake up and die trying to live a life that's worth living although it seems we passed that point like thanksgiving in celebrations of murder if they seek to draft me to fight i'll desert the herd at midnight like an activist might
13: To Hitler. So, is there any truth to the comparisons? Well, I, there are 14 defining characteristics. According to a, uh, a college professor, Dr. Lawrence Britt, who has examined fascist regimes in Hitler, Italy, Spain, Indonesia, and several Latin American re- regimes, there are 14 defining characteristics common to each. So, you tell me. Powerful and continuing nationalism. Flags are seen everywhere, flag symbols on clothing, public displays. Hmm. Disdain for the recognition of human rights. People tend to look the other way or even approve of torture, summary executions, assassinations, long incarcerations of prisoners with no charges. Hmm. Identifying enemies or scapegoats as a unifying cause. Uh, Like people are rallied into a unifying patriotic frenzy over the need to eliminate a perceived common uh, threat or foe, like... Oh, I don't know. Muslims? Hmm. Supremacy of the military. Even when there are widespread widespread domestic problems, the military is given a disproportionate amount of government funding and the domestic agenda, agenda is neglected. Now, we're up to number four. These are defining characteristics of fascism. So you tell me. Rampant sexism. Hmm. Controlled mass media. Hmm. Obsession with national security. Hmm. Religion and government are intertwined. Religious rhetoric and terminology is common from government leaders, even when the major tenets of the religion are diametrically opposed to the government's policies or actions. Gee, that calls to mind Bush and Christianity. Number nine, corporate power is protected. Can you say Halliburton? Number ten, labor power is suppressed. Hmm. Number eleven, disdain for intellectuals and the arts. Free expression in the arts and letters is openly attacked. Uh, Dixie Chicks. Number twelve, obsession with crime and punishment. Under fascist regimes, the police are given almost limitless power to enforce the laws. Number thirteen, rampant cronyism and corruption. Gosh, Enron, huh? And number 14, fraudulent elections. Sometimes elections in fascist nations are a complete sham. Fascist nations also typically use their judiciaries to manipulate or control elections. Well, my goodness, of the 14 defining characteristics of fascism, I would think that uh, Bush's America falls neatly into all 14 categories, do you disagree, Truth Seeker?
15: A gentleman
14: named James Spencer. And the reason Germany. was, is one night I was up late with my wife, listening to Coast to Coast AM, which is a a show that's on all night long, uh, a talk radio show, and it usually uh, is diving deep into subjects that people never talk about, and the one that was on this night was all about the conspiracies of 9/11 but the interesting thing was is nothing about it seemed like a conspiracy it all seemed like it was fact and and it all seemed as though Uh, This is really what happened. It wasn't just some weird idea that a bunch of kids are thinking up in a garage out in Illinois or something. But here we go. This is James H. Fetzer. He is a distinguished McKnight University professor of philosophy at the University of Minnesota, Duluth, a former Marine Corps officer, the author or editor of more than 27 books, and is the founder and co-chair of Scholars for the 9-11 Truth. Hello, James.
17: Hey, Alex. Great to be on with you.
14: Well, thank you so much. What I want to do now is I want to get into this. I'm just going to let you talk. I'm going to let the people driving just listen for a second. Tell us how you got into this, and then just go.
17: Well, I got into this because the government appears to have been dishing out nothing but lies and deception about the events of 9-11 and then using them to manipulate us to achieve its political purposes. Uh, I founded a group of experts and scholars that are devoted to Exposing the falsehoods and revealing the truths about 9 11, and what we found will make your uh, hair spin. We discovered, for example, that everything the government has said is just fine as long as you're willing to believe impossible things. The planes that hit the buildings caused minimal impact because they were designed to withstand the impact of the largest then commercial airliners, which were Boeing 707s, very similar to the 767s that actually hit the building. Frank Demartini, who was the project manager on the construction of these buildings, observed that they had sophisticated load di- redistribution capabilities, largely because of 47 core columns that extended the full height of the 110 floors. And that because of that, if a plane hit the building, its impact would be like sticking a pencil through mosquito netting. Now, those aren't my words. Those are his, sticking a pencil through mosquito netting so evidently the planes didn't cause the towers to come down the fires were actually relatively modest now it turns out that the melting point of steel is two thousand eight hundred degrees fahrenheit that's quite a substantial temperature the highest temperature these jet fuel-based fires can reach however is only eighteen hundred degrees fahrenheit a thousand degrees too short to be able to cause the steel to melt so the steel did not melt It has been suggested, therefore, that the buildings came down because the fires weakened the steel. Underwriters Laboratory, however, had certified the steel used in these buildings up to 2,000 degrees for six hours. Now, the fires were actually relatively modest. They were actually oxygen-starved, so that that maximum temperature of 1,800 degrees would only be achieved if you were, say, force-feeding pure oxygen into the fire. You can tell, even, and this is one of the smoking guns from 9 11, the dark, billowing clouds of fire are indicative of an oxygen starved fire burning at a much lower temperature. So that Underwriter's laboratory, which certified that steel to 2,000 degrees for six hours, estimated that the fires were actually only burning around 500 degrees Fahrenheit. And this much is too low to even weaken.
14: And this is an interesting. Thing. So basically what you're describing is when they made these buildings and when all the planners and engineers and architects got together, they planned for these things to be able to withstand a certain amount of force. And they also planned for the steel to be able to withstand incendiary temperatures for an extended period of time, which you, there's no way ever got met on this day.
17: Absolutely right. Absolutely right not only did the fires not get hot enough but they didn't burn long enough for example the uh, the south tower which was hit first uh, hit second but fell first uh, after only about an hour so it was only 1 hour not up to 6 hours. they've been certified up to 6 hours the south tower fell after only 1 hour and the north tower hit first but fell second only the fires only burned for about an hour and a half so it's much too, too short a period of time for the steel to have heated to such a point that it would have even weakened. Steel, of course, is a good thermal conductor, meaning if you try to heat up one part of it, you can't just heat up a section. It distributes the heat throughout the entire beam. So you have to have the, the whole floor more or less be heated up before it could possibly weaken or collapse. And here those conditions were simply not met.
14: It's, I, I'm, I'm blown away by, uh, by a number of things, and a lot of people have noticed that when those planes hit the World Trade Center, uh, I, I, and there's so much I'm sure you know. I, I don't even know really where to begin, but it's even when you deal with the idea that these, these people learned how to, how to fly small planes or small jets and then got into one of those gigantic planes and somehow knew how to veer it off course and hit a pinpoint target – however many miles away, it, none of this stuff makes sense. What are, what are, tell us some more stuff.
17: You're, you're absolutely right on. We have members of the society who are pilots and aeronautical engineers who have concluded that these guys could not possibly have flown those planes. They, have, they would have trouble taking a small Cessna or Piper Cub up and down. But as far as the uh, Twin Towers are concerned, uh, they would have been most unlikely to have been able to hit those targets. That requires actually very skillful flying, oddly Uh, George W. Bush remarked early on that when he saw the plane hit one of those towers, he said that was really a terrible pilot. Well, what's interesting about that is he has to have made that remark before he knew the second tower was hit, or he'd be interpreting the whole matter in a completely different way, which suggests that he had to have access to footage that the rest of us didn't have that enabled him to see a plane hitting that north tower before any of us knew what was going on or a plane hit the second tower. That's very, very odd. But the rate of fall of the buildings is very striking. If I'd gone to the top of one of these buildings and dropped a grand piano off of the building, it would have come down and hit the ground and then blown up into pieces when it hit the ground with a lot of debris flying upward in about 10 seconds. Those buildings came down in 10 seconds, which means they came down at the same rate as if there were no resistance whatsoever. And this is most important. And the other smoking gun, in addition to those dark, billowing clouds, there's this huge... Cloud of, of very fine dust and debris that envelops the buildings from the top down. And that is caused by converting the concrete that was used as a flooring material, but also all of the office equipment, the desks, the chairs, the computers, into very fine particles, tiny, tiny particles of dust. That required a tremendous explosive force the government can't explain. These buildings, Alex, were exploding from the top down at the same rate as if there had been. No, no resistance between them and the ground whatsoever. They're exploding from the, the top entire building. Peculiar.
14: It's like the entire building. It's almost like the structure wasn't even intact from that floor all the way down. Is what you're saying?
17: That's right. And when people wonder how this could have happened, it turns out there's security lapses in the building for the two weeks before nine eleven.
14: I heard you say this. Then you know, let's let's talk about this for a second. This blows my mind because this seems to add. I, I remember when I heard you speak before, and you had another gentleman with you. When you when you kind of piece apart the the way the buildings exploded, it it, it seemed to echo the way big buildings are uh, demolition. And and then you bring up the idea that the security systems that would monitor the inside of these buildings for a few weeks prior to 9/11 weren't even intact. Is that true? Yeah. Well.
17: Actually, all the security safeguards were being shut down in different parts of the building during the two weeks before. Uh, but the employees were told to go home, and teams of, of so-called engineers were being run in and out of the buildings. Uh, Stephen Jones of Brigham Young University has estimated that the kind of explosive that probably was used here, something called thermate, which is a sulfur-enhanced version of thermite, he said enough of that to bring down the buildings the way we observed could have been done by 40 men making 10 trips apiece.
14: You know, I, I, I almost want to jump ahead here. There's so much we're going to cover, and there's so much people here in San Diego they are going to be losing their, their lid over when, they, when we go, Because we're going to talk about the Pentagon. We're going to talk about what else happened um, with, a, with a third plane. I guess I want to jump ahead and go, why? Now, tell me why. Well,
17: that's, that's, that's a pretty big story. But the bottom line is going to be that uh, in order to achieve the political purposes, the agenda that this administration had in mind, They had to uh, create some traumatic event that would allow them to instill fear into the American people in order to manipulate us to to achieve their political purposes. If you check it, I mean, this is really disturbing. If you check it, that's the definition of terrorism, which means that if our analysis is right, that the American government has been practicing terrorism on the American people.
14: I, I, I have never seen more fear in my entire life than what happened after 9/11 with that stupid color coding system and uh, and the idea of how how deep we got involved in a in an area of the world that had nothing to do with what happened in New York and i and i and i think people right now are probably going to listen here and say okay there's no possible way that our government would have killed 3000 people and blew up these buildings and this and that for some political purpose but i think what we should do now is start describing what else happened in all three of these incidences on that day, and I'll start painting a picture that this stuff could not have happened without the help or a lot of money and the expertise of some incredibly minded people.
17: You make a wonderful point, you know, about what people can and kind of imagine. I mean, I... Uh... I think the situation here is uh, analogous to a, to, to, to a wife discovering that her husband has been molesting their daughter. It's so traumatizing. It's so traumatic that she can't bring herself to believe it. Psychologists disca- describe this phenomenon. They call it cognitive dissonance. When you're confronted with information that is so threatening to your core beliefs that you have to suppress it or den- deny it. I mean, who would have thought that the United States would create a, you know, a war of aggression in, uh, against other nations uh that violated international law that violated the united nations charter that violated the us constitution that violated the president's oath of office that we would send hundreds of thousands of young men and women into harm's way in an intervention in a in a distant land that didn't threaten us and that we tried to justify it by giving false reasons such as the existence of weapons of mass destruction or that there were collu- was collusion between their leader and a fellow known as Osama bin Laden when, in fact, they were politically mortal enemies, or that his country, Iraq, had been involved in the events of 9 11. Alex, it's hard to believe, but of those 19 hijackers, 15 of them were from Saudi Arabia, two from the United Arab, and the number from Iraq was zero, zero, zero. In fact, although every high member of the administration kept insisting. That there had been involvement by Iraq in 9 11. There was never any evidence to support it. And every now and then you see a little clip where Bush rather sheepishly admitted during a press conference with his whole cabinet president that they had no evidence that tied Saddam Hussein to 9 11. Still, 70, 80, or even 90% of our troops in Iraq think that they're fighting in Iraq because Saddam had something to do with 9-11.
14: You know, okay, so now we're going to, to, to backtrack up to where we are now. We can describe that two weeks before nine eleven, there was teams of people that were entering the World Trade Center doing things that were unknown to most, shutting off the security systems and, and whatnot. We do know that the buildings were made to withstand incendiary temperatures thousands of degrees more than what was happening when when it all went down we do know that the buildings came down in a fashion extremely similar to a controlled demolition of a building we do know that the expertise that is needed to fly those gigantic planes into that exact location could never have been achieved by someone that just learned how to fly a small plane let's talk about the pentagon now what happened there
17: yeah, that's a great question. What happened there is you can look and look and look, but though the government claims that a Boeing 757 hit the Pentagon, you find no evidence. You find no wings. You find no fuselage, no debris, no seats, no luggage, no bodies. I mean, you none know, of the it's there. Reputation for losing your luggage, but
14: this- none of that stuff is there. And and the, I saw a picture. Tell me about this. I saw a picture of the hole on the Pentagon. That was made, and then they put a plane next to it uh, with, with computers to show how big the plane was supposed to be, and never came anywhere near the size of that hole.
17: Well, the fact is, Alex, most Americans have never seen the actual photos of the actual initial hit point. If you go onto our website of Scholars for 9 11 Truth, go to st911.org, go to our resources page and scroll down about three quarters of the way down the page you'll see a photograph of the original hit point it's on the ground floor it's only about ten feet high sixteen seven feet wide there uh, is fence there there are automobiles there there are unbroken windows there what there is not there is any remnants of a Boeing 757
14: that scares me you know what do you and, and what else I think is really blows me away is that is the only section of the Pentagon that was a quote under construction, you know, it, it, it was, it, it could have hit any poor part of that building, and that was the only part where there really wasn't a lot of people and no one really knew what was happening over there.
17: Now, you're absolutely right on. If those terrorists, if whoever was flying the plane or whatever hit the building had wanted to do the most damage, if they had hit any other part of the building, they would have done more damage than the part that was hit. It's as though they very kindly wanted to minimize. Damage to the structure,
14: and it's. Uh, I, I think that what people don't understand is if a plane truly hit that bil- that building, what you're saying is all the cars and the fences and the grass and all that stuff around the area would have been destroyed. You would have seen the engines and the wings and all that difference. There's nothing there.
5: Here's,
17: you're absolutely right. Here's the other thing. The smoking gun at the Pentagon is the lawn. The lawn is smooth. The lawn is beautifully manicured. The lawn is unruffled. If a plane of that size and at that speed, we're talking around 400 miles an hour, had come in fl- straight over the lawn to hit that impact point on the first floor, it would have had, the engines would have been digging furrows in the ground or the fuselage or the wind, the, the wing turbulence, which has been known to pull tiles off of rooftops when they're flying at 20 or 30,000 feet. It would have done immense damage to the lawn or if the plane had come in at an angle as an alternative, then when it hit the building, there would have been an immense crater. Either way, there would have been a huge damage to the lawn, which is not there. So it turns out, ironically, that the smooth, green, unblemished lawn is the smoking gun. Now, what most people have seen of the Pentagon is, is the, after the top floors fell, and there was a second, a second explosion occurred after the initial endpoint. It was actually captured by a photographer. Bright explosion that brought down those upper floors. I think it didn't look right. They didn't have enough damage to the facade. So they used an extra explosion to bring down more of the building.
14: Yeah, okay, so. What is the rest of the world thinking on 9/11? I heard, and I don't know uh, if I, if, if you know anything about this. I heard that there were uh, some people uh, from the military in other countries, like Russia, that came out, and, and even they were saying this. This is a, a, a per- they couldn't believe that something like this could actually happen.
17: Well the fact is if our media were actually covering this fairly and reporting all the observations you know I mean the american people would be scandalized it would be outrageous they would be terrified they they'd demand that their their government be replaced because these people have committed treason on the united states here's here's an illustration norman Minette, our secretary of transportation actually testified to the 911 commission that he had gone to an underground bunker beneath the white house during those events that Dick Cheney was in charge, and that he observed a young aide come up to the vice president and say, Sir, it's 50 miles out, sir. Sir, it's 30 miles out. Sir, it's 10 miles out, sir. Do the orders still stand? And Minetta said that Cheney turned on him and nearly bit off his head and said, Of course the orders still stand. Have you heard anything differently? Minetta didn't realize exactly what he was witnessing, but it had to be that the order was to not shoot down whatever was incoming. I mean, think about it. If you shoot it down, you lose the, the plane and its passengers, but you don't also lose the, the civilians or the, the the life at the target and the damage to the target. So if the choice is between shooting it down, losing the plane, not shooting it down, still losing the plane, but also all the damage to the Pentagon, then of course you should shoot it down. So he has to be upset that it wasn't shot down. If the order had been to shoot it down, moreover, it would have been shot down because... The Pentagon has to be one of the most heavily defended buildings in the world. These brass hats with $400 billion in change to play with each year are going to make sure they're safe, even if no one else in the world happens to be.
14: We're painting a picture that Cheney knew that the planes are coming in, and he kept the order to leave it alone so it can hit. That's right. That takes us to Pennsylvania.
17: Yes. Well, Pennsylvania is very interesting. I I had... uh, I had because I've done all these talk shows about JFK and so forth for so many years a lot of people know me and and I had residents of the area calling me up to explain that they had told an FBI agent that they heard an explosion in the air before the plane or anything hit the ground and the FBI would not write it down. I've had others send me letters saying that deputy sheriffs took to to an area far outside the officially designated crash zone to look for body parts and airplane pieces and told them that if they mentioned this to anyone, the sheriffs would deny that they said it. I've got a friend, a personal friend, who is a former inspector general for the Air Force who used to supervise air crash investigations, who told me that if the plane had crashed the way it's described, that it should have covered about a city block. Actually, the debris is scattered over eight square miles. And I've got another Air Force officer, a former colonel, who was responsible for air crash investigations who told me that it looked to him at the site as though someone had taken a bulldozer, filled it with litter and blown it up. Uh,
14: what about that whole the whole idea of the heroes aboard that plane? Would, well, a,
17: boy, so you right on to it now because you know during the uh, trial that just took place of this vicarious Misaui, they played a tape that was the government's official evidence of what took place on the plane and you could hear the passengers Arguing among themselves and deciding what to do, they were going to use a, a drink cart to try to break down the cabin door. But as someone notif- noticed and wrote me about it, it's from the cockpit voice recorder, and the cockpit voice recorder doesn't record what goes on in the passenger compartment. So the whole thing is a fake. Oh my God. Get this the last words on the tape are Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, meaning that these terrorists, these alleged terrorists, were claiming God is great, God is great. I have an Islamic member. Of my society, you pointed out that that's not what a Muslim says. His last words have to be, "There is but one God, Allah, and and Muhammad is his prophet, not Allah Akbar." So whoever wrote the script for this this thing didn't get it right. <laughs> and here's another sign: the whole thing was scripted. You're not going to believe this if you hear the sorts of things this guy Masawi was saying in court. He was saying things like "Make My Day." He was taking the title of a Bruce Springsteen song, you know, "Born in the USA," and turning it into "Burn in the USA." He was using, he was describing himself as the subject of a cyber lynching. Now, this is not a guy who was born in the United States. He, he I don't think he spent all his time watching dirty hairy movies. Where is he coming up with his stuff?
1: We're,
14: we're basically at a point where we're looking at a government for the first time in a really long time. That, that uh, just the way it's set up. The administration was able to do a lot of things that previous administrations weren't. The checks and balances system was kind of thrown out the window. And the, I personally ran into Bob Woodward, uh, which was, you know, was partially responsible for bringing Nixon out of office. And I asked him, I said, "Listen, well, how does a president get thrown out of office for a little breaking and entering? And somebody that 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 took us to war?" on a set of false reasons either he knew him or not doesn't matter it was war and was uh, involved in the torture scandals involved in these pharmaceutical propaganda scandals all of which are like these fraudulent crimes the uh, illegal wiretapping all these things I'm asking myself and now we're painting this picture of 9-11 that there's no possible way that it could have happened the way they describe and we're talking about 60, 70 percent of the American people are actually starting to think that there's a different story. Why are we, as Americans, sitting back and letting this happen to us? I just don't understand it. Why would we sit back and let our country be defined this way?
17: It's scary. It looks like the media has completely let us down. Uh, there's been a consolidation of the media. The corporations have bought more. The corporations are in bed with the government. We have a new form of government in effect where it's a merge of big government with big business. Uh, it's typified by militarism, nationalism. You tend to identify the leader with the state, so any criticism of the leader is treated as unpatriotic or even treasonous. Mussolini, Benedetto Mussolini, the leader of Italy in World War II, described this form of government as corporatism, but he said it could also be described as fascism. What we appeared to be confronting, and Bush has now overridden 750 laws, in, in imposing his own interpretation on those laws. This administration is ignoring laws it doesn't like and not enforcing others and just going about doing whatever it wants to do regardless of the law. This is an unconstitutional form of government. These people are betraying the United States. This man took an oath to stand up for it, to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, and the bottom line is to him, as he was quoted as having said in a staff meeting when some members of his staff pointed out that some actions he was contemplating were in violation of the Constitution, he said... It's just a goddamn piece of paper. <laughs>
14: wow. And I, I want to come out right now and say that I am not for a Democrat or for the Republican Party or the or either party. I, I believe in human beings. I do not want to come out and say, uh, I want to make this clear right now and say that I, I don't uh, hate Bush because he's Republican or, or, or only want Democrats to be in office. I believe in people, I believe in the idea of, of America being what it was set out to be and uh, this great experiment to better mankind. I'm, I'm truthfully baffled that hundreds of millions of pe- million of people will sit around and let this happen to us. And this has got to be one of the worst times in our history as a nation. And we're sitting back and letting it happen. And uh, every I, I, as a musician, I travel around the world and I have never encountered so much anger and resentment and and just uh, just disappointment all around the world, where, where just a few years ago it was completely opposite. So, I think that uh, this is a, a huge challenge for Americans to not let them be defined this way and to actually stand up and do something that can that can not only better our own life but better the world, because we have such an opportunity to to do such wonderful things, and I'm saying again, there's probably a hundred different Republicans that I would vote for, as well as Democrats, this isn't about the red or blue, this is about this administration being involved in something that is really, really scary, and really, really dark, and deceptive, and uh, the stuff that you're saying, uh, just... I I I'm really I am blown away and I've heard you see some of this before James but I'm
17: um... right on top of it I mean if there were any justice this man would have impeached long ago uh the problem is we have one party rule what we have to do is get rid of all the congress reconstitute it completely get rid of all the democrats all the republicans